Tavchafei, page 25. We are up to the Mishnah, about uh, 11, 12 lines from the top of the Amud. Here we go. Fascinating Mishnah. We know that a person is chayav to eat and sleep inside of a sukkah. The Mishnah says there are, we're, start, we're starting to list some exceptions. All right, so here we go. Exception number one. Shluchei mitzvah. When a person is in a location for the purpose of a mitzvah. Now, what mitzvah is this person performing? So Rashi gives a couple examples. Very first Rashi of the Mishnah. Shluchei mitzvah. Hochei bederech. Mitzvah. People who are traveling for the purpose of a mitzvah. Kigom, for example. Lomo Torah. You're going to a shir. You're going to a class. You have to travel to your Rebbe to go learn Torah. You don't need to eat and sleep in a sukkah. To learn Torah. To spend time on Yom Tif with one's Rebbe. For Pidyan Shvuyim. To redeem a captive. You're Osik the mitzvah. You're involved in a mitzvah. And you're not obligated in the mitzvah of sukkah. Now this is a very interesting halacha. In that we know that in general. We're going to learn later. A, a, a traveler is not obligated in a mitzvah either. So what's the difference between somebody who's traveling for a mitzvah or somebody who's traveling for a non-mitzvah purpose? The difference is that when you're traveling for a non-mitzvah purpose, while you are resting in one place, once you get to your location, you're now going to be obligated in sukkah. However, once you reach your destination. However, when a person is a shluchei mitzvah, even once you reach your destination... As Rashi says, even when you're resting, you're not going, even when you're resting, you're not going to be obligated in the mitzvah of sukkah. Okay, status halacha number one. Again, let's start the Mishnah. Again, shluchei mitzvah peturah min sukkah shliach mitzvah is potter from sukkah. Chaylin, a sick person, somebody who's ill, umisham sheyem, and people who need to take care of that sick person will learn soon how sick that person needs to be in order to be potter from sukkah. Peturah min sukkah they're not obligated in sukkah. Everybody, whether you are healthy, even if you're at home, you're not traveling, you're not involved in a mitzvah, everybody's allowed to eat and drink um, a temporary eat or drink outside of a sukkah. We'll call it a snack. Okay. Says the Gemara, let's take apart this Mishnah one step at a time. How do you know that since once somebody is traveling for the purpose of a mitzvah, they're no longer obligated in sukkah. It says the Gebar, I'll tell you, the Tan Rabbanah, because the rabbis learned, and so should we. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, we're coming right off of these parshias. Veschan and Anikah, the parsha Kriyashma. You should say Shema. When you're sitting in your home, exclude somebody who's involved in a mitzvah. Now, this is a big jump. The Gemara's going to have to get into this. It's a big jump. Either you're sitting at home, oh, what's the coming to exclude? Somebody who has to run out to go do a mitzvah. Why? Why can't it be excluding uh, somebody who's just not sitting at home? Okay? So the Gemara will get into this. And you should say Kriyashma while you're traveling. This is excluding a chasan. Also, pretty big junk. The traveler, uh, excluding a chasan. What does a chasan have to do with travel? Nikan, from here, says the Gemara, a halacha, amru, we learn out. A person who marries a virgin, a woman who's never been married before, and this guy is concerned, as we're going to see. 
about the Biarishina, about the initial intercourse, the initial relations. He's going to be potter from Shema, Vesalmana But if he's marrying an Almana, a woman who has been married and has some experience, so there is less, uh, there's less on his mind, less concern on his mind, he's less worried, and he's going to be obligated to recite Shema. Says the Gemara, my Mashma. Where do you get these jumps from? Okay, that, oh, you're sitting in your home, traveling on the way, excluding a mitzvah, excluding a chasen. Um, Rav Huna, Rav Huna says, Kiderach. I'll tell you why. Because it says, uh, It has to be, you're only obligated to say Shema when it's Kiderach, like you're traveling. Ma derech just like a regular travel, we say, is a choice. It's Rishos, it's an option. You don't have to travel. Av kol Rishos. So too, anything listed is only where you're obligated to say Shema is only when you, you chose to be there. the mitzvah To exclude a person who is Isaac B'mitzvah, he's involved in a mitzvah. That's not a choice. I mean, it's an option, right? The person could always choose to not do the right thing, but it's a command, really. Because Baruch Hu says, you go do that. When a good Baruch Hu says something, you go and listen. Okay. Says the Gemara, But maybe... We're dealing with somebody who's traveling for the purpose of a mitzvah and, and it's letting us know that even when you're traveling for a mitzvah, you're obligated. It can't be. While you're, while you're dwelling, while you're sitting, while you're going, why does it say when you sit and you? Why is the emphasis on the individual to let us know that it's his choice? You chose to sit there. You chose to be there. And that's when you're chayev. is only going to be obligated to recite Shema. When you were individually chose to be there, oh, Malach is the mitzvah petiras. But if you're going for the purpose of a mitzvah, you're going to be potter. Says the Gemara Yachi, if so, if that's the drasha, you should also, if a woman, if, if somebody marries a widow, who it's also a mitzvah to marry a widow, okay, there's a mitzvah of kiddushin. So why, by a besula, are you going to be obligated in Shema, and by an Almana, you're not obligated. It's a mitzvah, and any time it's a mitzvah, you shouldn't have to recite Shema. You're, you're Isaac b'mitzvah. So Gemara says, I'll tell you the difference. Kindness a besula tarid, kindness almana lai tarid. Because when you're marrying a besula, so both of you, you know, well, I shouldn't say both of you, but the besula herself, you think you're marrying a virgin. What happens if something goes wrong, and it turns out that she tricked you? Or she doesn't realize. And now the whole ksuba is the wrong amount of money. And there, there, there's extra worry uh, in the whole transaction when it comes to a basula. However, kindness almana later. A person marries almana, he's not, he doesn't have the same amount of concerns. What the Gemara is doing right now is saying that you know when you're putter from Shema, when it's a mitzvah, and you're worried about everything working out okay. Says the Gemara, one second. Just because you have a worry, now you don't need to say Shema. Whenever you're worried, you don't need to say Shema. What about people who suffer from anxiety? What about people that have random things that go on in their life? For example, says the Gemara, A person hears that his ship is sinking in the ocean. She's like, how am I going to save this thing? Yeah, What's going to be? Okay, now you don't need to say Mariv. You know, they just delivered the news to you. You haven't recited Shema. You don't need to say Shema. Come on. You're going to tell me, yeah, it's not true. Because it says, you see, that just because somebody is worried does not, does not exempt them from 
saying the Shema. One thing they're exempt from is tefillin. Shema needs to be recited. So you see, worry itself, on its own, does not exempt a person. Says the Gemara, you're right. But combined, it will. Meaning, hacha over here, by the besula. Hacha tarid tirda de mitzvah. He's tarid tirda de mitzvah. He wants to make sure that that uh, everything goes smoothly for himself. When it comes to the boat sinking, that's your choice to be worried. You could also have a moon and be talking, and, uh, and you just start davening, you hear such a thing, instead of saying, oh, let me go make a phone call to save my ship, you can start davening as well. Yeah, the times you used to not say Shema, might even be a bigger reason to start reciting Shema. Okay. Says the Gemara. Is our Mishnah a, the source for what we know as Oseik B'mitzvah, Patramina Mitzvah? Once you're involved in one mitzvah, you're not obligated to recite another mitzvah. Does, is this the source for other places? Says the Gemara, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't agree that we need a specific source over here to teach me when you're involved in a particular mitzvah, marriage, chase, whatever it is, you put them in a mitzvah. You know why? I already know that out from elsewhere. I know it out from a different halacha, the Tanya. We learned in Hebrisa. There were men who were tamay lenefesh adam vegaimer. There were people who were tamay tomas mace. Okay? Now it's a very interesting Gemara. We're familiar with this from Sachem. This, this Brisa is the source of how the halacha of Pesach Sheni started. On the 14th day of Nisan, every male member of Klal Yisrael is supposed to take part in a Karban Pesach, be part of a Chabura. What happens if, somebody, what happens if somebody's tummy? We know that they could bring it on in the month of Iyar. They could bring it 30 days later. They have what we call Pesach Sheni. Now, the way the Torah writes the story of how Pesach Sheni developed, it's an interesting story. What happened was, it was, it was Pesach, and there were a group of people that did not want to lose out on the Mitzvah of Pesach, but the problem was they were Tomei Mace. So they came to Mesha and they said, why should we lose out on the Mitzvah just because we were Osek the Mitzvah? We were involved in carrying the bones of a, uh, uh, the bone, we were involved in carrying a corpse. Because we're involved in the carrying a corpse, we, we have to lose out on the midst of carbon Pesach. And Moshe went and asked Hashem, and Hashem said, oh, Pesach Shem. Now, whose corpse was this? Let's get a little bit into the background of that story. What, how, how'd they become Tommy Mace? So l- listen here, let's read this inside. It's very interesting. Who are these men who are tummy mace? Says the Brisa. Nice say These were people who were carrying the bones of Yosef Atzadik. Right? We know the Shvatim, the tribes promised Yosef when they leave Mitzrayim, they're going to take his bones out of Mitzrayim. So the first opinion of the Brisa, Divir Aglili, this is the words of Yaisi says that the people who came and complained, they said, Oh, we're carrying the bones of Yosef. We're doing a mitzvah. What are we going to do? What about our carbon Pesach? And ultimately, they came out with Pesach Shein. Top of Amud Beis. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, no. 
the people that came to complain were not the carriers of the bones of Yosef, rather Mishal v'Alitzafen Hayu. They were uh, they were Mishal and Alitzafen, um, who were Aaron's nephews. Okay, so Yosef and We know the unfortunate story of the great Nadav and Aviu, the children of Aaron. On the day of the inauguration of the Mishkan, a fire came forth and they died. And uh, and Mishal and Alitzafan were the ones who had to take their bodies out of the Mishkan. So the first opinion there basically says, who were these people who complained about Pesach? They want the mitzvah. It was whoever carried the bones of Yosef. According to Rabbi Akiva, it's Mishal and Alitzafan. They became Tameh with the bones of, of um, another Ben Aviv. Rabbi Yitzhak Rabbi Yitzhak says, If Nasi Aaron Yosef he says, I disagree. I'll tell you why. If they were the people who carried the bones of Yosef, they could have known prior to the bring of the Karim Pesach, and they should have uh, gone through the purification process earlier. What are you, who, who, why are you showing up now saying, oh, why did we lose that? It's not fair. Tome. Why weren't you retire yourself? You had time. Let me show up in Hayu. And if it was Mishav and also Yechayin Halitar, they also could have been Mitaher. Okay? Because we know that it was, when did Nadav and Aviyu die? On the first day of Nisan. That's a full 14 days before the Korban Pesach. He says, rather, I'll give a third explanation. I don't agree with Rabbi Yisrael. I don't agree with Rabbi Akiva. Because then there's, you know, there's no excuse for not purifying yourself. Rather, there were people who were Isaac B'Meis Mitzvah. Okay? There was a person that needed to be buried. And they, these people, you know, it's, uh, they, they, it was two days before Pesach, and they, had, and they had a mitzvah to do, so they did it. The seventh day of their purification process uh, fell out in Arab Pesach, as it says. They were not able to make the Pesach on that day, but it was Davka that day. It was that day alone that ended their inability to bring the current Pesach. If it would have been the next day already, they would have been allowed to be part of the carbon Pesach. Okay. Oh, but Lamaisa, what's our question? So we're saying like this. The Gemara is asking a basic question. Our Mishnah says, a, shli- a person who's a messenger for a mitzvah, involved in a mitzvah, does not need to do sukkah. And this is the source, we're assuming... This is the source that Isaac ben Mitzvah put them in a mitzvah. When you're involved in one mitzvah, you're not obligated to perform other mitzvahs. Ask the Gemara, but we already know that out from Rabbi Yitzchak's pshat of Pesach Sheni. These people were mace mitzvah. So once they're involved in the mace mitzvah, they're Isaac, uh, uh, Isaac ben Mitzvah, right? They're, they're, they're uh, involved in the mitzvah. And um, therefore, why do you need to... Um, why do you need to learn out sukkah from Kriyashma? Instead, we should learn out Hilcha sukkah from Pesach Shein. Says the We need both Kriyashma as a source and Pesach Shein. Yes, I mean, if I would have just said the Allah of Pesach Shaini, I would say, Mishim Lotus Machi with the Pesach. I would say, listen, can you bring, they have a Mace Mitzvah six days before Pesach. Is it time to bring your carbon Pesach yet? No, you still have six days. So I would say, listen, when you when the mitzvah of Mace Mitzvah is here and the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni is only later, do the mitzvah that's right in front of you. 
However, However, I would say, let's say, you have the obligation of Kriyashma, uh, where it's already time for Shema, so the times are together. Aim alike. I would say that Isaac the mitzvah is not Potter in mitzvah. You, you, the mitzvah is here right in front of you. Who are you to not perform the mitzvah? Therefore, Tricha, we also have to bring out a source for Shema. But the Gemara's answering is the, the Gemara's question was why are you using Shema as a source? Use Pesach Sheni. The answer is Pesach Sheni is a source, but it's not enough of a source. Because Shema adds to Pesach Sheni and lets me know that even when the mitzvahs are coming at are, are here right in front of me, we say Isaac Mitzvah Potter Menah Mitzvah. And if I would just at the source of Shema, Bishum Delekukaris. I would say, listen, if you don't say Shema, there's no major consequence. You didn't perform a mitzvah, so I say, it's an Avera, you didn't perform a mitzvah, okay. But there's no kares, right? But I say, Pesach Sheni, there's a severe consequence. Kares if you don't bring. Emalai, I would say that you're, you're not putter from the mitzvah of Karpa Pesach. It's much more severe. Therefore, Tricha, we need both uh, we need both sources. All right? So beautiful. Very straightforward. The Gemara asked, why do I need, uh, wh- why we bring a source from Shema? Let's bring the source from Pesach Sheni. Gemara is saying, ultimately, we need both. Because each one is adding a halacha onto the other. Okay. Period. End of that discussion. Gufa. A piece of a previously quoted statement. Um, Rav Abba Barzabda Marav, Rav Abba Barzabda says the name of Rav. Avel, Chayi B'chol Mizbur, Amor's Betera, and Avel is obligated to fulfill all mitzvahs, Chutz Mitzvah, except for Tzvah, Shain Amar Ben Peher. Because it says, the word Peher, it says the word glory, and it's impro- it's inappropriate for a person to have Peher on their body at the time of mourning. Okay. Midamalei Rachman L'Yecheskel. How do you know this? Because the Torah says, Akadosh Baruch says to Yecheskel, Peher Chochav Shalacha. Put your Peher, put your Tzvillin, on top of yourself, which means that even though you're in mourning, you put on tefillin, but it's specifically to you. This is only the first day. And this is actually okay. This is practical. We know, God forbid, somebody has a close relative that passes away. So until the funeral, one does not perform any mitzvahs. It's in a state of owning. One does not perform any mitzvahs. I say. So let's say the passing happens on a Sunday. The funeral takes place on Monday. Now, Monday morning, do the mourners put on tefillin? No. They don't. Why? Because they're in the state of owning still. Then they have the kavura, the burial. Following the burial, the mourners go home. Now, they're no longer in owning. Do they put on tefillin as soon as they get home? The answer is no. The first day of mourning, there's no mitzvah of tefillin. Because it says, Okay? A person who's during the seven days of Shiva is still obligated in the mitzvah of Sukkah. Right? Now, what's the obvious question? I shouldn't say it's obvious, but what's the chap here? Doesn't, doesn't a yumtif stop a Shiva? How can you be obligated in sukkah and say you're an avo, you're a, you're a seven, you know, if you're not in shiva anymore? The yamtiv stops the shiva. So the answer is we're dealing with somebody whose relative died on yamtiv, so they haven't yet started shiva. Okay, 
Says Gemara Pshita. No, Ma'udzim. I would have thought say Hayav Amar Rabba Verzabda Marav. Mitzar Potem in a Sukkah. Anybody who's in Tzar, anybody who's in pain, is not obligated in the midst of Sukkah. I know I'm Mitzar. I'll say this guy's in Avel. Listen, he's in pain. He's in pain. He's, he should be allowed to sit inside his house. Komash Milan. Therefore, it lets us know the following: that which type of Tzar, what type of pain, allows me to leave the Sukkah? Hani Midi Tzar Dimamela. Um. You're allowed to leave the sukkah when the sukkah is causing the tsar. When being in the sukkah is causing the pain. But over here, when the guy's in mourning, what's causing the pain? The sukkah? No. Something else happened. Unfortunately, the person lost a close relative. It's his own personal loss. The sukkah is not bothering him. It's not like it's raining outside. The sukkah doesn't smell terrible. Right? So that we say, if it's not the sukkah's fault, so to speak, so we say to the mourner, listen, we know it's, it would be more comfortable inside perhaps, but as long as the sukkah is not, not what, is not what's causing the tsar, you'd be obligated to remain in the sukkah. And Rav Abba says in the name of Rav, the chosin and anybody who's there to help him, and anybody who's taking part in the mitzvah of establishing the chasna, the home, they're coming to celebrate with them during the Sheva Brachis. They're obligated in sukkah, they're putter, I'm sorry, from sukkah throughout the entire Yom Tiv. Says Gemara, my time, or why? Because they have a mitzvah in front of them, which is to be besimcha. Says the Gemara, come on. No? So, mind you just party in the sukkah. We got a party, so we can't be in the sukkah. Party in the sukkah. Ain't simcha ela Okay? Now, we don't have this nowadays. But it says, ain't simcha ela Okay? The only simcha is in the place where the chasen and kalam are, like, moving into. I have a lech besukkah. So why don't they move into the sukkah for the week? Mara says, "Ain't simcha l'makom suda. Simcha is only had b'makom suda, okay? And uh, and there's no suda here apparently. There's no meal here." Says the Gemara, "What are you talking about? Why not do the same thing?" Right? Sometimes people say something like, "Why? Why? Why? Like what's that?" Says the Gemara, "Vav do chupa b'sukkah. Make the chupa in the sukkah. You'll have a meal. Gaval de kabayi. Amar mishum yichud. Yeah. Um, there's a concern." About Yichud. Now, what happened was that um, you might end up with a situation. Back then, they didn't have the large sukkahs with people coming in and out that we have nowadays. It was more common for for uh, people to be left there alone, and therefore, with all the guests and this and that, it, it might come to a, a, a iser of Yichud. The problem is. Tsar okay? What's Tsar That if he's out in the sukkah and it's a smaller space, so it's going to be a lot more uncomfortable for the bride and the groom to interact uh, comfortably. And we want to make sure, you know, when, when they're in such a, we're going to assume a sukkah smaller, Rashi explains it's cramped quarters. And we don't want to start out their first week of marriage in an uncomfortable place. Which, by the way, is a very important uh, message or lesson. If we're ever involved personally in a, in a wedding and setting up a bride and a groom, to make sure that initially they're set up 
for the at least for the first few days of their marriage in a very in a, in a comfortable place where they're you know it's they're, they're not going to be stressed out. My benai was the benzina baye who says the the problem is yichud and rabu says the problem is tsarchas and give me a practical case. Let's see we don't want the place where you know that nobody's going to be miachid with each other. Because it's common to go in and out. If you hold it, it's a yichud issue. So there's no yichud issue. Move on. There's still going to be a problem. Amar of Zera. Rav Zera says, I ate in a sukkah, and I had my chasna in a chuppah, meaning elsewhere, outside the sukkah. And I was even happier. I was happier by this. Because I got the mitzvah of marriage and I had the mitzvah of sukkah. So what the Gemara is ending off with is a very important story of Rav Zeyre. It's a short little tidbit. But this tidbit is giving us a very important yesaid, which is, even though ha'oseg b'mitzvah patr a mitzvah, even though when somebody's involved in one mitzvah, you're not obligated to perform another mitzvah, but if, if you find yourself in a situation where you can perform both, go do both. And all the better. You got another mitzvah. That's of Zera. I knew this didn't bother me, so fine. I got my marriage in. I was comfortable with my uh, with, with my kala with my bride. I got the mitzvah of chuppah and shalom al Yisrael. Okay, one last brisa. We'll take it to the top of tomorrow's daf. Tana The rabbis learned, and that's why they are rabbis. Chosen v'ashbinim v'chobnei chuppah. A chosen. And Shashbin and his helpers. Anybody in the wedding? They don't need a daven. They don't need to put on tefillin. However, However, they're obligated to recite Kriyashma. Okay? Now, Rashi says why. So he says like this. Really, the mitzvah of Shema is the first sentence. Once a person says, You fulfilled your mitzvah. Tefillah needs... Kavana during the Shemayin Esrei. Tefillin needs intent. Says Rashi, davening? Alright, you're not obligated to daven. You can't hold cup for so long. Tefillin, you can't have that. But Shema, get a grip for 10 seconds. And focus on the words. You're going to be obligated to recite the Shema. Mishum Rabbi Shila, Amru, top of tomorrow's daf, daf chavav. They send the name of Rabbi Shila. Chosen Potter, Vashus Bin and Bechobne Yachupa, Chayev. The Chosen is Potter from Shema. Um, however, he agrees that everybody else is obligated to recite the Shema. We'll hold it here for today. And Bez Hashem, we will pick up from here tomorrow evening.